At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Did you know that Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre as well as book news and deals? Sign up today for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, summing up the most interesting literary headlines every day. The Riot Rundown, a roundup of our most exciting new content. Or our new books newsletter that compiles a list of the week's best new releases and comes to you every Tuesday, which, if you didn't know, is new release day in publishing. We also have newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, YA enthusiasts, mystery thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash newsletters to sign up for whichever ones are most interesting to you. That's bookriot.com slash newsletters. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 125, and we are recording on Monday, April 18th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javid, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Nezra. How are you today? Katie, I won't lie to yes. you. I'm hanging by a thread. <laughs> oh, <Hi>. no. <laughs> we were we were over-ambitious with our weekend plans. And we took like a day trip down to Bakersfield and we got a a flat tire on the way. (gasps) No. And then we came back and we were all exhausted. And now my husband's sleeping through what would have been his time to take care of the kid while I was, you know, recording. So a thread. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Well, hopefully we can get through this episode before that thread breaks. Yes. And but the good news is there we were visiting family in Bakersfield, so they gave us plenty of leftovers. Oh, perfect. And we have an aunt there, so she was like, No, take this, take this. So I'm set for the whole week. So that is my very bright silver lining. So I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. How are you? Well, I'm doing better than I was last week. Last week was rough. My husband and I both had food poisoning on like almost a week ago. And we live in a small apartment and it wasn't that fun. It really wasn't. I don't recommend it. I honestly did not have that bad of a time with it, thankfully, but my husband did. And thankfully now he seems to be doing okay, but it was... It was a recovery process. So last week, I'm just ready to pretend like last week did not happen and start fresh this week. And hopefully we don't have any have any more food incidents. But amen. Yeah. Oh, on that note, shall we shall we talk about books? I feel like books would be yes. would be a good subject to brighten both of our moods. Yes, absolutely. What are you reading right now? 
Well, I've got a giant stack of books that of I need to get through, which, of course, that's that's going to be written on my tombstone one day. <laughs> Had a giant stack of books she never got through. Um, but the one that I am currently reading right now is Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby, who I know we've talked about on this show a few times. His first book, Blacktop Wasteland, just got all the buzz. Same with his second book, Razorblade Tears. And, I mean, the general the general premise of the book is there are two fathers, one's black, one's white, and their sons were married, and then they were killed in what appears to be some kind of a hate crime. And while neither one of the fathers really fully accepted their sons for who they were when they were alive, they have banded together after their death to try and find out what happened and bring about some kind of some semblance of justice because the police clearly are not all that interested in figuring out what happened. So this book is like, I feel like if you could have a book that was just the definition of gritty, this book would be it. Like this would, it would just be a picture of the cover of this book. Like it is, it is gritty. It is bleak. It is violent, and I'm not even that far into the book, but it is exceptionally well-written and really compelling and, yeah, really, really good read. But yeah, definitely not for the faint of stomach. It's, it's so far, it's, it's been pretty brutal, but definite, definitely a well-written read. What about you? Have you picked up anything interesting? Have you had time to pick up anything interesting? So... No, uh, not not in the mystery genre. I, I I've I've been reading non mystery stuff, but here is a book that I'm su- that has just come in the library on my hold list, and I'm super excited for it. And I and I plan on so my library is one of the amazing libraries that is open till eight pm. So I'm going to hopefully drive up there before they close and pick this book up because it sounds amazing. So the book is The Return of Faraz Ali by Amina Ahmed. And it is basically about this murder that takes place in the red light district of Lahore. And we also obviously follow Faraz Ali, who is going back to his hometown. I believe it's from the U.S. Who's going back to Lahore from the U.S. And how he becomes entangled in this mystery. And I am so ready for just losing myself in a night of nostalgia. So yeah, that's The Return of Faraz Ali by Amina Ahmed. I haven't read it yet, but I'm ready to dive in. That sounds really, really cool. Well, with that, why don't uh, you give us our first sponsor and we can go ahead and jump into this episode. Absolutely. This episode of Fred or Dead is sponsored in part by Aftershock Comics. Aaron Say lives for his family, and if he's not careful, he'll die for its secrets. When he left the military, Aaron Say's first thought was providing for his aging parents. His parents' bar is experiencing hard times, and one night it's shot to hell with his parents critically injured in the attack. But this was no ordinary robbery. Aaron's mother reveals that she fled China to escape a blood feud between the Jewish and Chinese sides of her family, both of which are powerful organized crime families. Peace existed between these two families, the Hu and the Margolis, but now it's been broken and Aaron must protect his parents from further violence. 
Aaron hops a plane to the homeland he never intended to explore on a path to revenge he never wanted to walk. We thank Aftershock Comics very much for sponsoring the show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted that you decided to return. So like we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and just about anything that falls under that umbrella. And it's a big umbrella. So there's a lot of stuff that's fair game to talk about, whether it's award-winning mystery books or subgenres that we haven't explored yet or author read-alikes or movie adaptations or whatever the case may be. If it's mysterious and suspenseful, we'll probably end up talking about it. And this is the part of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have suggestions for any upcoming episodes, because they really help us plan so many of the things that we've recorded in the past. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about jotting it down now. We just always put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from our listeners. So shoot us a note if you feel so compelled. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, the mystery news is it hasn't been too busy the last couple of weeks, but we did want to mention that the Edgar Awards will be announced on April 28th, and we will for sure be talking about that in our next episode. So you'll definitely get more information for during our next recording. But in case you are a super eager beaver and want to see who wins, those winners will be announced on April 28th. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into our topic for this episode, which is going to be our favorite debut crime novels. And for me, there is something so compelling about debut novels. And I think it's because there's always an element of surprise and there's always, you know, the the possibility of just being dazzled by someone that you have never read before. And while I love having my tried and true favorite authors where I know what I'm getting into and I know it's going to be a quality read, there's just something really special about finding a debut author that you really enjoy or just, you know, just finding that 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 book that no no one else has heard this author before and there's there's just something so magical about it. And I I just I love looking back and finding the the debut novels that really just blew me away. And I had so many to pick from for this episode. I had a really hard time choosing. I don't know about you, Nezra, but I was going through my Goodreads list going, I'm like, okay, this is only like a 45-minute show. I have to cut it down somewhere. I agree. I definitely agree with you on the point where it's like the element of surprise. But then it's also for me, the element of anticipation, like, okay, so I read this work and then like looking forward to having another work by that author, you know, like sort of 
it's half half of it is anticipation and you know buying the books that just sit on your DVR forever that's a that's a big part of this reading journey um <laughs> so that's a huge another thing that i enjoy so much about discovering new authors or, or like authors that have just you know that have and also being blown away like you said by the writing like how dare this be a debut novel you know like how dare <laughs> how dare they write so good the first time they tried it <laughs> my picks were along those lines like how how could they write so well in this the first try so oh yeah <laughs> i am i am super excited to like dive in and also I, I will put this disclaimer i might have spoken about my picks every now and then here and there but you know their favorites and tr- like tried for a reason so i make i make no apologies <laughs> no i have talked about all three of these books that I picked before. So do not worry. I am totally there. I'm totally there with you. These are just, yeah, just ones we have to rave about over and over again. But why don't you kick us off? What was, what was your first debut novel that you wanted to talk about? So my first debut novel was The Conductors by Nicole Glover, which has, since the time I read it, it was released as a um, standalone, but now it has become a series. And I think the second book just came out. And it's the first in the Murder and Magic series. And it's basically about Hetty Rhodes, who is, um, and it's about the Underground Railroad, but make it magical. It's basically about Hetty, who is a conductor of the Underground Railroad. And she, along with her husband, Benji, they solve cases, murder cases, mystery cases, around black people that the white police just just not touch you know and they're just they just just discard them as just mishaps accidents whatever uh, it may be but then when they find one of their very own who helps them run the network they bury the body and they're starting to see a pattern emerge and they decide that it's time that they find out answers like what's going on but the more they try to like, find out answers the more entangled they get like it's not as dichotomous like it's not just this is right this is wrong like the more they learn about the elite of philadelphia and like the power structures that go on and how their own people might be involved and how how many intricacies are there it just becomes like more difficult and difficult to like pull themselves out of this web and just it becomes this whole i would not call it an adventure but in a way it is like in in a sense that they have to use their magical capabilities and their mind to sort of get out of it and just, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, but also at the same time, it's not as, um, it has its tender moments. It has its lighter moments, which is one of the reasons why I absolutely love it is because it's, it's a very well mix of mishmash of genres. Like there's, there's a huge historical fiction element to it. So you get tons of history, which I feel like balances the bleaker parts where the murder happens and where they're looking into it. Uh, and then there's also the fantastical escapist element of, you know, there's an alternate version of the history with magic involved. So it's gorgeous. The audiobook, I believe, was narrated by Robin Miles. Oh, <laughs> which was fantastic. Uh, and it's just such, like, it's so effortless. Like, it was very effortlessly executed, which I feel like as a reader, but you you can tell how much 
stress or how much furrowed brows this might have caused the author. And when you read this, you just like, you can feel the author's excitement jumping off of that page. So it's a very unique sort of feeling. And that's why I, I cherish this experience a lot. I will eventually pick up the second book in the series. But until then, it's The Conductors, the first in the Murder and Magic series by Nicole Glover. You know, I have I purchased that book for our library's fiction collection, and I knew that it was kind of a mashup of different genres and stuff, but I didn't realize just how how much miss how much of a mystery element there was in there. I knew the historical fiction, I knew the fantasy, but yeah, that's it just sounds so interesting and now I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go back and check that out and add it to my towering stack of books." Yes, and it's like it has got that like amateur like they they they're they're good at solving murders and mysteries, but they're not really it's not really their, you know, what their expertise is in. So you sort of see them just figuring it out. So I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. so definitely. Yes, agree. Go sign. Yes. Go 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 for it. <laughs> Check that out. Go, go get the book. Go. All right. So my first pick, I know I have talked about on this show multiple times because when it, I read it when it first came out and I could not shut up about this book. Oh my gosh. And that book is Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. And this book was, it's not, it doesn't have like, you know, it's not a book where it's got like a huge mind-blowing twist, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what just happened. It has more of a quieter appeal to it, but the skill in which the author tells this very, very complicated story is just so masterful. Like, I just was, I remember reading the book and just being just like quietly in awe of how well she did this. And the story itself is is a very complicated story, but she does but it doesn't feel complicated when you're reading it. At the heart of the story, there is a Korean family that lives in Virginia, and they have what they have this this device. It's called a miracle submarine. And it's it's used, it's a like a giant like oxygen chamber, basically. And it's supposed to be it can be used for a variety for addressing a variety of health issues whether it's physical health issues it's getting these treatments is also supposed to help people who have autism and it's just it treats it's supposed to treat or at least help a wide range of medical issues or conditions or whatever the case may be. And there's a there's a group of people that comes every week for their treatments where they basically sit in this large chamber and receive these this these oxygen treatments basically. And the story opens right after a tragedy has occurred. And I and I have mentioned this before, but I will give a trigger warning for harm and death to a child. So I know for some people this that can be a huge trigger and so I always mention that before you know when I'm talking about it for some people they're like okay yeah I think I can do it. and other people are like no I cannot handle that so you know just just putting that out there but there is an 8 or 9 year old boy who's autistic and there is an explosion that that happens in this hyperbaric chamber basically and 
he is killed. And at the beginning of the story, his mother is on trial because the prosecutors believe that she intentionally started the fire with the intent to kill her son because of the stresses of raising and of raising her child and handling the difficulties that that he has. So right away this is a thorny difficult issue. But there are also there's like six or seven different characters in this story and each one has a different point of view. And the way that she weaves these narrative strands together is so well done. You never feel like the story is too crowded or too confusing. You never lose track of who's who. You know what all of their issues are. Each person has a unique perspective that adds to the story and adds to the mystery as you figure out what actually happened. You know, did did the mom actually set the fire looking for hoping that there would be an explosion or did something else happen? And it just creates this intricate web of connections and relationships and how one person's action can affect other people and how we think we've we perceive something a certain way but it's actually that's actually not what happened and it's like this whole book is could be like a study in gray areas where it's like there's no real like right or wrong there's just so many difficult questions that you you have to read that you have to grapple with when you read this story and it's just so skillfully done this is a book if for people who enjoy issue driven fiction with some mystery in there like i've i've told people i'm like this is like jody picolt but better and so that's that's been a big hook for people like this book is just so mind-blowingly good i was like i cannot believe this was her debut novel it was just Wow, could just absolutely mind blowing, and I I know she has another book coming out. It's not in a series; it's a standalone, and I can't remember when the book is coming out. But I for sure have that on my the top of my eventual to read list. As soon as it comes out, I'm going to grab it. But until then, the first book by Angie Kim is called Miracle Creek, and it is fabulous. I am I am I still haven't read this book, Katie. I know we talk about this every time, but it's it's so triggers. But I'm going to read it eventually, one day, one day. And that's and that's why I say this is you know this is a significant trigger for people, and so that's why I always put it out there. There's there's no shame if that's a difficult <laughs> subject for you. It, it it is a difficult subject in general, so no pressure. But if you you know if slash when you do read it, you will be in for a treat in terms of just how yes. just how skillful the writing is. It also your to your point about how it's like a book about issues with mystery in it. It reminds me of Your House Will Pay by Steph Jaw. Uh, Ooh, that was yeah. another book that had like some of you know some of that element of commentary plus mystery. So that's another recommendation. There you go. It was not a <laughs> debut though, so we cannot. No, not a this debut. This is not qualify, but there still a book you can read. For my next pick, I. So when I was speaking about my feelings about, you know, how I have an author, yeah, their book is good, but then I anticipate their next book. This is what, this is the author I had in mind. And that was, that is Tangerine by Christine Mangan. And so this is what I feel like 
she does really well. She takes a location, and it's usually a location outside of the usual, you know, U.S. England vicinity, and it's usually a well travel, like it's like a travel destination where people often think of, you know, that we want to go for a vacation or we want to explore more of, and then she sort of like creates this stifling atmosphere that makes you want to never want to visit that place again, like ever. <laughs> and it's just brilliant because she just like turns, she just turns your perspective on a place, right? That you've never even been to. So her first novel, Tangerine, what she does is she takes you to Morocco. She takes you to Morocco. That's the name, Tangerine. And she basically, it's a story about Alice and Lucy and a f- a friendship, a female friendship. It's at the heart of the story. It's like this female friendship and it's underlying microaggressions and, you know, all the resentments that came to the surface and how, what's happening. You can feel stuff bubbling underneath the surface. But at the same time, the location of Tanger is, uh, it's very prominent in the book and there's a mystery involved to it, like because uh, one of the friends goes missing. And how did they go missing? Like you sort of retrace back to that story. And then, but again, and like you figure, basically figured out like what happened. But I will say this. So the, I was blown away by the writing and this, like the atmosphere she was able to create. But I was a little whelmed by the mystery, right? But then I was like, this is another I have to watch out for. So then when her second book, Palace of the Drowned, came in, which I have spoken about in length in the in the show, where she sort of takes it to Venice and uh, it's like a, it's like a talented Mr. Ripley sort of situation unfo- unravels. Like she did that so much. Like you could see her growth as a writer in terms of plotting. So like all of the good things were already there, but they became better because it was such a tightly plotted book. So yes, this was one of those fantastic like debuts that when you have more context, like when you read the more from the author, you sort of start seeing, you know, their growth and start appreciating it more. Like sort of like how you read series and the first series is like a build up and then the second series gets more action heavy and all of that. So this, this was one of those books, one of those authors. So I would definitely recommend it because it's so, you think it's such a done to death trope, right? Like friendships, adult friendships, they're hard. We get it. No one has time for anything. She does somehow manage to make it, like give it a flair of her own, which I really enjoyed. So that's Tangerine by Christine Mangan. All right. Now, before I jump into my next pick, I want to give our second sponsor, which is Book Riot, or more specifically, TBR, Book Riot's book recommendation service. So if you have not yet checked out TBR, now is the time. TBR is Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you can tell our professional book nerds, aka bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes, whether you want comfort reads or stretch reads, and of course, what your reading goals are, and then just sit back while our bibliologists comb through your Goodreads account if you have one, 
and handpick recommendations and must-reads just for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail or three recommendations by email, so there is an option for every budget, and the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. After each order, you can give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding your horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. It's that awesome. So if you are interested, you can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. And again, that is mytbr.co. And we thank Book Riot very much for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my second pick, it's one that I'm, I know I have mentioned so many times on this podcast, and yet I feel like I haven't mentioned it enough. And it's a book that I'm like, okay, everyone knows about it, but do they really know about it? Anyway, I can't talk about debut novels and not talk about Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. I just can't. It's physically impossible. If I tried to do this episode without mentioning this <laughs> this title, I would probably die. <laughs> And Gillian Flynn, well, first off, she needs to write another book, darn it, because Gone Girl was her last full, her last full length novel, and that was 10 years ago. And I need more Gillian Flynn, darn it. Anyway, so Sharp Objects was Gillian Flynn's debut novel in like 2007, I think, 2006, 2007. And this book, like, Yes, they made the miniseries with Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson, the starring in the show, and it was amazing. But this book is such a contained, perfect, razor-sharp psychological suspense novel. Like, I had a co-worker who, she was trying to read new genres, and she hadn't really been you know, super into mysteries. And so she she was asking me about Gillian Flynn and because she knew I was obsessed. And I told her, and I was like, look, Gone Girl, I'm like, Gone Girl's really good. And I'm like, and you should definitely read it. But I was like, you've got to read Sharp Objects. I'm like, you just have to. And when she was reading it, and then when she finished it, she was like, I don't know if I can read any other of her books because this one was so perfect nothing else will live up to it. Like this, this book, I've read it, I've read it several times, I've listened to it on audio. And it just it is so razor sharp. It is so evocative. You it is like the definition of a dark read. And you just when you finish reading it, like I felt like I needed to take a shower after I read it. Like it's not outright gory. But it just feels sleazy and just greasy and humid and sticky. And you're just like, ugh. But the story is follows Camille Preaker, who is a journalist in Chicago. And she's given an assignment that, that forces her to return to her hometown in Missouri. And basically two girls about 11, 12 years old, have turned up murdered over the course of a year or so in her hometown. And so her editor was like, hey, you're from this town. Why don't you go down there and see if we can if we can cover what's happening there? It'll be, you know, it'll, it'll be like, the, you know, this big important story. And so going back to her hometown means that she has to interact with her family again. And interacting with her family is not healthy for her. There is trigger warnings for self-harm for, I, I think, 
for suicidal tendencies in this book. There, there's a lot of really, really dark, heavy mental health stuff going on in this book. It's not done in a way that is, like, mental health, it's not treated as the boogeyman as it can sometimes be in books, but it plays a big factor in this story. So just be aware of that going in. But this 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 book, it is, it's not a long book. It is like 250 pages and it's so tightly plotted and it just, I, it is just so well done. So well done. It establishes her voice for Gillian Flynn's voice for creating these female characters who have an edge to them. Like they are these these female characters who are so complicated. And it looks at small town dynamics. It looks at just psychologically cloying family relationships and it looks at teenage friendships and it's oh my gosh, it's just it's so good. And it's one of those those books where if you, it's, it's not a stretch, you know, psychological suspense and it's Gillian Flint, you know, there's expect expect twists, but this book even like even if you know what the twist is, it still gets you. Like I've like I said, I have read this book so many times and I know what. I know how everything plays out. And at the end of the book, I'm still going, Ugh. like, it's one of it's one of those books where you can like, you can talk to people. And if you've both read the book, you don't even have to say anything. You can just be like sharp objects. And you just look at each other and you all and you both just go, Yee. like, it, it, you have this shared language with people who have read the book. And like, it's not a hidden gem because she is so well known and it had the miniseries and all of that, but it is still a hidden gem, I feel like. And it's a book that I just, I return to over and over again, just because I am so in awe of Gillian Flynn's writing style. And it's just, it's just unbelievable that this was her debut novel. It's, it's perfect. It is just a perfectly contained, nasty, nasty thriller. And I love it so much from the bottom of my bleak, darkened heart. <laughs> and again, so that is Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. And y'all need to go read it. <laughs> yes, I, I might have mentioned I started reading it in one episode, and then I had to return the copy to the library. But the thing you said about the shared language, that's so true. Because th- what made me pick up that copy, aside from you, Katie, of course, like constantly of course. <laughs> about it, um, was my friends. We were at a dinner with a lot of friends and we were all sitting on a table and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're gone, girl. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, but I've never read Sharp uh, sharp Objects. And they're like, they both had this like loud, hysteric reaction. What? Like, you have not read this book? And everyone, I swear, in the restaurant was like, why? What? What's going on? <laughs> and then we actually went to a... So this was a Lake Tahoe. So we were we actually went to this small bookstore that was closing in 20 minutes. And they were like, we're going to get you a copy. We're going to buy it. We're going to buy you this book. You have to read this book. But we couldn't find a copy. That is why I bought it from the library. It was a whole thing. <laughs> but yes, I will finish it in one day. Katie, you and I shall <laughs> communicate in more languages. Yeah, it's it's the kind of book that you describe in emojis over text. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> be, yes, be be ready for like 12 a.m. BST. That's like your 2, 2 p.m. 2 a.m. See, your time. 
I, my phone will be on silent. I'll see it when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Ring it, Kelly! Play thing. Oh my god, this book. <laughs> um, but then my last pick for this is, is a super quick honorary mention. And I, I love how like your books are acting as segues to my next books. Because uh, like where you're sort of setting, you know, you're to your point where you said it established Killian Flynn as this person who writes these fantastic female protagonists, right? My next book is The Intuitionist by Colson Whitehead. It's his first book. And the reason I wanted to mention this here is because it's sort of like, it was his debut novel. And it, so if you, I've not read all of Colson Whitehead. I've read, like I've read Intuitionist. I'm halfway through Harlem Shuffle. I feel like all of his books have this element of, he sneaks in an element of mystery into all of his books, no matter what genre they are. And I feel like this was, this is the perfect setup. Like this book is the perfect setup to all of his like fantastic books that follow that they're so different from each other. But at the same time, they're also sort of like a North Star. Like there is this one thing that guides all of his books. This book, uh, The Intuitionist, you would not expect this to be it, but it's basically a book about, it's set in the world of elevators. It's, it's obviously, it's set in an alternative reality and it's basically about elevator uh, inspectors who have been given the same amount of honor or like uh, the power as the police forces in large cities and everything centers around the elevator inspectors that, and they have their own sort of political community going on. They have their own elections, there is like corruption going on, but then we have Leela who is the first black elevator inspector and um, she also solves mysteries. So it's sort of like, like she's not a professional mystery, like a professional like detective in any sense, but it's sort of like ties into that conductor's element. Like she, uh, she's trying to do what, she's trying to fill in the gaps where other institutions will not jump in. And she is trying to discover who committed a heinous murder in an elevator. I believe it's in an elevator. Yes, in an elevator under her, that falls under her jurisdiction. And so she's basically, it's basically an old-fashioned locked room murder mystery because, you know, this like, the action is taking place in elevators. But then also there is, like, commentary on, like, race, and then there's metaphors for life. And it's, like, I just think it's such a, like, beautiful setup to, like, what he does with the rest of his books. And, and it's, like, I think it's, it's important to read his book, this first book, to understand how he has how far he has come, but also how he like sort of keeps going back. Because obviously, I'm sure, debuts mean a lot to the authors as well, right? This is the book that they've been working on, working towards their whole entire life, most of the times. So it's like, I don't know, it's sort of like poetic in a way that he keeps coming back to these themes of like murder in the unexpected places, but also metaphors for life. So I just wanted to throw it out there. The Intuition is by Colton Whitehead. I'm just picturing it. it's like oh wow it's the first book what's it about elevator inspectors <laughs> you, you you can't he he doesn't he pulls it off <laughs> I know I know I think he's probably the, one of the very few authors that could do that I'm just like hmm, elevator inspectors yeah. you don't hear about that very often no. now do you and like murder in an elevator like can you I mean why aren't there more books about this you know it's almost like it's like the perfect locked room mystery I'll never go into an elevator again but you know yeah. <laughs> It is what it is. Now, now I'm picturing 
a I'm picturing a take on Aerosmith's song "Love in an Elevator," <laughs> changing that to "Murder in an Elevator." All right, now before we before I start going down yes. that rabbit hole, um, my honorary mention that I'm doing as an honorary mention because I gushed about it like two episodes ago. So I won't go into the full blown you know Muppet arming that that I did previously. But my other honor my honorary mention that I wanted to mention was. Her Name is Night by Yasmin Ango. And this book I talked about in terms of a read-alike for Killing Eve. And this book just, like, knocked me over. Like, just totally hit me in the stomach. Emotional impact I was not prepared for. It's a high-adrenaline suspense novel about an assassin who she works for a for a group called the tribe which is run by her adoptive parents and the tribe is like this clandestine international organization the shadow organization that's dedicated to the protection and the advancements of the people and countries of Africa and that is their one goal and she acts as an assassin to carry out these goals and then she gets a she gets an assignment that all of a sudden becomes super complicated and that's because it ties in with her past and in her past um, she lived in Ghana and her village was just raised to the ground and then she was taken she was she was part of a human trafficking ring like this was intense this was really really intense what she what she went through and this book, I mean, besides delivering the high adrenaline espionage assassin type of thrills, it's got an emotional center that, like, I literally had, I got choked up at the end of the book. And I don't, first of all, I don't, and I've, I've said this before, I don't like crying. And I don't expect to, and I'm not prepared to cry when I'm reading a mystery novel. So when I'm getting choked up, I'm like, what did she do to me? What did this author do to me? But it is so well done. And the way the author writes, like, there's just so much emotional impact to the story. Like, you feel for this character, and you root for her, and when you see everything that she's overcome, and it's just, oh my gosh, so, so powerful. And again, I was like, what do you mean this was her first book? I cannot believe this. I refuse to believe this was her first book. It is unbelievable. Just knock your socks off good. And again, that is Her Name is Night by Yasmin Ango. All right. And I feel like we could go on for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but with that, come tell us what are your, some of your favorite debut novels that you've, mystery novels that you've read, if you've read any of ours, if you, if Katie made you pick up Sharp Objects or, you know, Miracle <laughs> Creek, please let us know. Um, but with that, let's move on to new releases. Alrighty. So I'm super excited for this one. This one is I'll Be You by Janelle Brown, and this comes out April 26th. So I believe there'll be still a bit of a wait when you're hearing this episode. But Janelle Brown is the author who wrote Pretty Things, which was such a fantastic, multi-layered, literary fiction of a mystery novel with such a fantastic audiobook production. Oh, so yes. So naturally, I'm very excited about this. A little bit what the book is about. Sam and Ellie, as children, were two halves of a perfect whole, identical twins whose parents sometimes couldn't even tell them apart. They fell asleep to the sound of each other's breath at night, holding hands in the dark. And once Hollywood discovered them, they became B-list child TV stars, often inhabiting the same role. 
but as adults, their lives have splintered. After leaving acting, Ellie reinvented herself as the perfect homemaker, married to a real estate lawyer in a house two blocks from the beach. Meanwhile, Sam has never recovered from her failed Hollywood career or from her addiction to the pills and booze that have popped up uh, for her for in the last 15 years. Sam also hasn't spoken to her sister since her destructive behavior finally drove a wedge between them. So when her father calls out of the blue, Sam is shocked to learn that Ellie's life has been in turmoil. Her husband has moved out. Ellie just adopted a two-year-old girl and now she's stopped answering her phone and just checked into a mysterious spa. Is her sister just decompressing or is she in trouble? Could she have possibly joined a cult? As Sam works to connect the dots left by Ali's baffling disappearance, she realizes that the bond between her her and her sister is more complicated than she ever knew. That sounds just so... Like the right amount of ambiguous that only Janelle Brown can execute. So that's I'll Be You, uh, Janelle Brown, coming out April 26th. Man, these these books about cult stories are really having their time yes. in the spotlight right yeah. now. Like every other book has to do has to do with a cult, and I'm here for it. This is this is these not are the kinds of books that I am <laughs> I am gonna gobble them up like popcorn. All right, so my pick it was one that I had not heard about until I started researching new releases to talk about for this episode. And this one is called The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan. This one is also out on April 26th. And this follows a group of friends, like so many of these stories do. We have Grace, Felicity, Alice, and Hannah. And they were once called The Wild Girls, although they are no longer quite so wild. Alice is a teacher, Hannah has a new baby, Grace is a homebody, and only Felicity seems to have retained her former wildness or her former spark. So then Felicity invites them all on the weekend of a lifetime, a birthday bash in Botswana. You know, like you do. And she says it'll be a chance to have fun, rekindle their once bomb-proof friendship, and finally put that one horrible night all those years ago behind them for good. Hmm? Very suspicious. But soon after arriving at the luxury safari lodge, there is a feeling of unease that settles over them. There's no sign of the party that was promised. There's no phone signal. They're on their own. And then things start to go very, very wrong. And this book is described as a fresh approach to the classic locked room mystery, which on our last episode, we talked about locked room mysteries. So if you're still jonesing for something with that feel, this sounds like a really interesting book to pick up. And uh, The Wild Girls is supposed or should appeal to fans of Ruth Ware and Lucy Foley. And I was just, I this idea of, hey, let's have this big birthday get together at the Safari Lodge in Botswana, and then things go wrong. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, that's <laughs> not how things work in the real world. That Like, people just don't do that. But that's it. what happens in this book. Yeah. Yes. So I, yeah, I'm very intrigued by this one. And I have to double check to see if I've ordered that for our library's collection. Because if we haven't, I will definitely order it. And again, that is called The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan out on April 26th. All right. And that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. 
For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email or feedback with or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.